You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Hi, everyone. I am back. We are back with Season 2 of the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. I'm so thrilled to kick it off with one of my favorite people. I cannot wait to introduce you to Jerry Moe, the Executive Director of the National Children's Program at Hazlin Betty Ford Foundation. I call Jerry the Children's Whisperer. He's a man who has devoted his career to educating, supporting, and giving a voice to the youngest members of this family disease of addiction, children ages 7 through 13. Today, Jerry shares some of his personal story and where his passion for the children began. Meet Jerry Moe. The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. Let's have a little toast with our coffee to a good chat. Wet the whistle. And it is so exciting. I can't even stand it. I've had some of my favorite people come on already. But I'm so excited to have you, Jerry. All right. Today is a pretty exciting day to have you here, Jerry Moe. And I'll say your name for everybody to know who you are. (laughs) Um, Jerry, you are what I would call the children's whisperer around this illness and you have been for a very long time and I'm curious because you've had an extensive professional career and now presently work and have worked with designing implementing a children's program at the Betty Ford Center which is now Hazelden Betty Ford but how did you come to land in the role of children working with the children affected by this disease how did that happen Oh, what a story to tell about that, uh, Maggie. And, and thanks so much for having me here today. It, it's nice to be with you. It's my pleasure. So really, it goes back to I grew up with this disease. You know, as so many people who work in this field, you know, I was touched by it. Uh, alcoholism, both sides of my family. My mom's side of the family is Irish. My dad is Scandinavian. So, you know, very little risk for alcoholism on either side of those families. And, and I was blessed in an incredible way in that you know, I got intervened on when I was 14 years old wow. due to some behavior, some, some high-risk behavior. And, and, and people who saw it noticed it and were concerned. And that was the impetus to, uh, to really begin my own healing. And, and, and the, the first way I did that mm-hmm. was by going to Alatina. And so at the age of 14, that was part of the process for me of getting well. You know, it's fascinating in that my mom would drive me to those meetings. I grew up in San Francisco. And so she'd drive me to Holy Name uh, Church, and it would be on Tuesday nights. And like so many 12-step meetings, it was an hour in length. And after a couple weeks, my mom decided, hey, maybe I'll go check out the Al-Anon meeting. And from her point of view, not that she needed it, 
yeah. at all. Her mother died of alcoholism. So my grandmother died of alcoholism while um, my mom was still a teenager. And, and at that particular time, you know, my dad um, was mired in his disease as well. And so here's my mom going and beginning to embrace the Al-Anon principles and, and, and slowly her life is changing. The exciting thing for my mom and for, for myself is we had this shared experience of working the 12 steps and incorporating the slogans and living by the traditions. And we slowly began to change our behavior, especially in terms of uh, how we how we dealt with my dad, who, again, was still active in his alcoholism. And as as I've seen in in my work, you know, in my older years, what slowly began to happen is we shifted as a family. And it would be about a year later that my dad would once again ask for help and began a process of his own recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and actually for uh, the last 38 years of his life was recovering uh, Wonderful. without any alcohol whatsoever, total abstinence. And, and so in my later teenage years, living in a recovery family, mm-hmm. which, which is just, it was magnificent. Now, of course, like, like so many people who are listening today, early recovery. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Is it going to last? And, and oh, the first time my dad w- was late for something. And remember, those we didn't have cell phones then. And, <laughs> and so all of those things that, that we needed to begin to sort out and work through, we were doing that. We were doing that. And, 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 and Maggie, I always knew that I wanted to work with kids. I mean, I Did just you? love, I just, yeah, I just love kids and had gone to school and studied to be a teacher. Huh. And, and then, you know, at, a, at, at the age of 22, I kid you not, one morning in front of the mirror shaving was, uh, you know, this, this spiritual experience. I know people that, that, that go to 12-step meetings, we hear uh, about you have, having had that spiritual awakening or that spiritual experience and, and how profound it could be. And, and for me, it was really simple in that uh, I thought for a moment I was finally old enough and I guess mature enough, even at 22, if there is such a thing, <laughs> <laughs> that what a gift I've been given. And I have an older brother and sister, and they both left as soon as they could to get married when they were 18 or 19 years old. Those were socially acceptable ways to get out of Dodge. But, you know, you get out of Dodge, but you carry all your baggage with you when you leave. And so I realized what a gift I'd been given. And it just hit me. And, and I thought, my goodness, why didn't my brother get this? Why didn't my sister get this? Why did I get this? And so just this moment of uh, of really profound gratitude but it was bittersweet because the next thought was hey wait a minute what if what if i would have got help when i was 7 or 8 or 9 and then i was thinking about the ages of of, of 7 through 14 and, and and all the pain and all the heartache and uh, feeling 
alone, feeling isolated, feeling like it was my fault for, and, and all of the things that go with that. It's like, you know, wait a minute. Uh, we need to be working with kids at younger and younger ages. And, and what I came to see was that there wasn't a lot out there. I couldn't find a lot. Now, what was happening, and this is a, a you know, the late 1970s and, and, and what I came to find, oh, maybe five years later, that in different pockets of the country, there were programs, but it was small. There was children or people, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. There was um, uh, Project Rainbow in, West, in, in New York, it's another children's program. And so they were, they were scattered around. We just didn't know about each other. And so it was like, you know, I need to shift. And so having had all those years of Alatine, you know, incredibly helpful, and and then training as uh, an educator, you know, how do kids learn? How do you make it engaging and interactive? Let's incorporate different learning styles because everyone is so different. Uh, building relationships, lesson plans. So I knew all of that. So I designed a children's program and, and, and then went back to school while I was working on that children's program to, to get a, a master's degree in, in counseling and education. So it's really, and, and to this day, people say, well, how do you still you know, have a passion? How do you still have a heart for this after all this time? And, and I just think about all those kids out there today that are suffering. And how unnecessary it is. And we we say all the time that 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 addiction, substance use disorder, is a family disease. Absolutely. But way too often, children are left out of the solution. Boy, are they mired in the problem. But there's few and few opportunities for them to get help, even to this day. Absolutely, I could not agree more. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. You know, we've been in a parallel but different journey in that I've been with the families and the 13 and 14-year-olds up, and you've been with the youngins, 7 through 13 and 14. And I think even on the family side as a whole, the resources for the person with the illness are plentiful, though we know lots don't ever get to them but the ones for all of the family members are much less available. And so children even more so. And yet they intuitively feel everything they experience in that home without an understanding, without the gift of something like your program. I heard someone say at one time, give an example of it, and and it's certainly not the best example but yeah, what, what they described is here is a family on a Sunday afternoon driving in the car going for a ride. Mm-hmm. They're all together. And, and, and lo and behold, unfortunately, they get into a car accident and everybody is impacted. But everybody could be impacted a little differently. Like there, there, there could be um, you know, folks in the front seat that have... Uh, you know, extensive internal injuries there in the back seat might there might be one of the kids might have a broken arm one might uh you know be scratched up pretty bad a- another one uh ankle hurts real bad and so they call for help and and here rolls up an ambulance or a couple of ambulances and it, it's like they just um so they 
they they assess everybody, mm-hmm. but then they take the driver and they put the driver in the ambulance and tell everybody else, you know, it's going to be okay. See you later. And, and it, again, it, it, it's not the best example, but it's graphic. It's visual enough for me to, to, to see that. Yeah. And I think that's what happens often in, uh, in the way that, that we treat this disease. Agreed. And your story is an example of the power, for lack of a better word, that your father was still using. You and your mother found your way into recovery before he ever found his way in. And that had, I'm sure, a profound impact on his seeking recovery. No doubt, because what we had learned to done, and my dad had had starts and stops, sure, but never, you know, consistently focused on 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 recovery as as we see happen with so many people. You know, the, the crazy thing about addiction, it's the one disease that tries to convince you that you don't have it. Correct. And so, you know, the 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 insanity there with that. Myself getting better, my mom getting better, and, and learning to allow my dad to experience the consequences of, of his drinking and, and not try to make excuses, not try to cover up, not try to make things better, uh, it was real helpful. And, and, and Maggie, we see this again and again in all my years, the spouse or the partner that doesn't have the disease or grandparents, or an older brother and sister, bring children to the children's program. And, and that's the first step in the process. And as they begin to heal, again, a, a change happens in the family system. And it's not unusual, six months, nine months, a year later, here comes that same boy or girl to the children's program, but now they're coming with a parent that, 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 that's in recovery. And and it's funny, I can remember, I was talking about this in an interview a couple of weeks ago. I can remember being told just when I was starting working in treatment and, and you know, naive and inexperienced and people would say, oh, don't worry about those kids now. You know, they'll be OK. They're resilient. Let's focus on helping the, the person with the disease, the substance use disorder. Let's help them now. And, and get better. And then we'll, we'll think about the kids down the road. And, and it's faulty for a number of reasons. Think about how few people ever make it to treatment True. to, to begin with. And, and I believe that this disease is so powerful and so insidious that we need to be attacking it from every, every angle and in every way. And so maybe, you know, we've had it wrong all those years. Maybe we need to start with the kids. Well, here's a question. If you played out your story and you had not had Alatine and listen, you know, that strategy was what it was. How long before you and your mom and yourself possibly even made it to the rooms if you had waited on dad? Yeah, well, you know what? Um, uh, I'm not sure if I ever would have made it. You just don't know. And, and it's funny that I think the longer you wait, like any kind of disease, the longer you wait, the more complicated it gets. And the unique thing about the children's program, Maggie, here that you know, and, and Mrs. Ford was real keen on this. You know, Mrs. Ford used to tell me, you know, you want to make a difference in a child's life, just don't help the child. Help who's ever raising that child. And, and, and what I see, just a ballpark figure, I'd say 75% of the grownups who come also grew up in families with addiction. 
And I heard uh, a dear friend some time ago say, call, call these people yesterday's children that no one helped. And so you just see it's getting passed along. There's no denying the generational impact of the illness, right? Uh, you can't. And even if it skips a generation in outright behaviors, it's still in there in the way yeah. that people react and respond. No doubt. Isn't he amazing? Stay tuned. In two weeks, Jerry will be back and he will share about the phenomenal Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation Children's Program. But next week, I'm really excited to have Sandy Swenson back with us. She has something really exciting coming up. A in-person retreat for mamas of people with substance use disorder. She is a wonderful resource for any mother out there. Give yourself the gift of learning more about this retreat and the possibility of attending with other mothers who have shared a similar journey to yourself. I want to thank my guest for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, embracefamilyrecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.